Deleso supports clients by providing a tailor-made service from outsourced back-office functions right the way through to director-level advice and consultancy. Go to deleso.co.uk forward slash Rec Live Lounge. Recruiters Live Lounge. Lounge.com Where you get to hang out with the most inspiring recruitment business leaders on the planet. Hosted by Roy Ripper. Hey everyone, welcome back to Recruiters Live Lounge where you get to meet and hang out with some of the most inspirational business leaders in the recruitment world on this planet. And I'm really, really excited today to be able to welcome David Spencer Percival. Now, David's the CEO of Spencer Ogden. Um, let me tell you a bit about, about him. David was the managing director for uh, Huntress Group for just under nine years, I think it was, before he launched Spencer Ogden in 2010. Uh, with Sir Peter Ogden. So you guys may be, you know, you may remember or know the Huntress Group, uh, and you may also know Spencer Ogden as a business. Um, uh, David's had over 15 years experience in recruitment, uses his knowledge to fill the gap in the market and create a business in Spencer Ogden that's able to service all energy sectors on a global scale. David, I hope I got all of that right. How are you? Great. Thanks, Roy. Good to see you. Good. Listen, tell us a bit more about the work that you guys do at Spencer Ogden. Sure. We are um, a truly global business now. Uh, not that old. We've been established five years. We uh, operate in all the energy sectors, so gas, power, nuclear, renewables. We do some smart technologies. Um, Mining, we do also uh, trading in finance and, and technology into energy, but really covering the entire energy spectrum, uh, which is really our forte is what we do, and that's kind of what we're known for. We've got a great brand, uh, lots of offices now around the world, and lots of yeah, really cool people work for us. So yeah, it's good business. We like it. And um, you know, it's one of those things, uh, David, that a lot of people will probably remember you I, you know i know it was a while ago but we'll remember the great success that huntress group had um, sure. and that you were at the helm for most of that success right yeah well yeah from start up through to uh, we sold the business in 2007 to nomura japanese bank um and another year and a half after that so yeah it was a, it was a big project a long project i mean at the time we went through uh Massive growth. We won an awful lot of awards, um, and it was a terrific company. And we grew to just under 100 million turnover with 500 staff. So, yeah, it's a big project, meaty project. Very, very, very hard work. Um, and uh, yeah, it took the best years of my life. <laughs> well, David, look, we we feel really honoured to have you in as a guest of Recruiters Live Lounge, and we're really looking forward to some of your answers uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna hear today. Um, David, if you're familiar with Recruiters Live Lounge, you know that we love to kick off with our guest's favourite success quote. What's yours? Um, quotes can be all sorts of things. I mean, you know, there's some really instant funny ones, you know, the Gordon Gecko quotes and, you know, uh, Thing Big and Kick Ass by Donald Trump. But I think, you know, um, a good success quote for me um, is one from actually Charles Darwin. Um, and it's because it's based on scientific facts, which I think is a really good thing. You know, he spent years uh, working on Origin of Species, and then he encapsulated the whole thing in, in a few words. And he said, um, 
It's not the strongest of the species that survive, nor is it the most intelligent, but it is the ones that are most responsive to change. And I think that is so appropriate in business. It's appropriate recruitment, um, it's appropriate business, and I really do believe now, this point in our time, where we're going through huge technological advances, um, but it's relevant to, to, to society now. You know, it's basically saying, you know, across, across a whole scientific raft of information, that it, it can be strong, you know, you can be, you can be bright, but if you don't change, you, you will have a very, uh, you know, less chance of survival. So I think it's really, really apt. I love that quote. I don't think I've ever had anybody quote Charles Darwin at me. But, um, I, I love, well, I love the fact that it is so applicable to what's yeah, going on sure. for a lot of uh, recruitment business owners and recruiters. You know, our, our, our business, our industry is changing uh, almost every day. And so just to be responsive to that change or end up the way of the dinosaurs, I think is a choice we all we all face. So thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> interestingly, how do you apply that quote in your day-to-day -day life, David? Um, yeah, gosh, my day-to-day -day life is very frenetic, as you can imagine. Uh, well, I think, I think technology has become very, very important. Um, I listened to Russell Clements' uh, live lounge, actually. I mean, you know, he's, he's a bit of a legend in our industry. And I, I think he absolutely nailed it when he was saying that, you know, technology was supposed to eat our lunch about 10 years ago. I've been in the business now nearly 20 years. Um, and I think you have to respect technology. And I use it every day in my business, you know. But I also think um, that a recruiter is such a unique skill that I think you, you can get drawn in with technology and you can become busy fools, actually. So, yeah, my day-to-day, I certainly um, really, I love change. I think it's great. Uh, you know, it's one of, the, one of the great things about life is you can move and you can change and do things. Um, but at the same time, um, you have to have a very, very steady focus through business um, because unless you do, you know, the same things virtually every day and do it consistently and focus on it, you know, you, you don't have a successful business. So my day really is, is, is looking at change and, and assessing it, but really driving the business in a very uh, single focused way. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, David, look, we know in the live lounge that behind every successful person, there's usually been some adversity, um, you know, in their, in their previous careers. Sure. What's the biggest failure, if you want to call it that, that you've experienced in, in your past? Um, I've been fortunate not to have many failings in business, but I've only ever done really uh, recruitment has been my life. Um, I've made lots of mistakes, Roy. I mean, crumbs, you know, hide the wrong people, open the wrong offices. I mean, the only thing that you can really do when you're running a, a business is not make the same mistake all the time, otherwise you're just an idiot, really. Uh, so I think, you know, everyone makes mistakes, and boy, I, you know, I've not made some real clangers, but I've made mistakes. But I tend to try and not make the same ones again. And I think that's really been a, a steady thing through my business career. But when it comes to actually, you know, some really, in the face of adversity, I would say in a decision level, um, to set up my own business after Huntress was probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. Uh, obviously now, it's, looking back, it was the right thing to do, but that was a real, real game changer for me. Um, and I, I think that was probably the one thing I'll look back at and think, wow, that was a pretty ballsy move. Um, David, what were the steps leading up to that decision? Because I think there'll be a lot of people watching or listening to this episode 
um, that will really be, you know, will resonate with the decision that you made, sure. but also fascinated of why you did it, what were the steps leading up to it? Um, firstly, I think the projects I was working in came to its natural conclusion. I mean, we are going back to the financial, global financial crash. And to be honest with you, I was, I was exhausted, Roy. I mean, I, it was such a hard project. I knew that I had it in me to set my own business up, but I was so uh, confident that I didn't really think about the complexities of it. And I had huge gaps in my knowledge before I set it up. Sure. I think when I look back, um, I was just ready emotionally. Uh, I had a call completely out of the blue from Sir Peter Ogden. I'd employed his son for many years, but he called me and said, look, do you want to do something? And I think that was my call to arms, really. Right. And then really, I was incredibly lucky with the sector. You know, when I, again, you need a bit of luck in business. You know, when I look back, it was, I knew the competition was, um, I wouldn't say it was weak, but it was certainly a monopoly, and they were people that had been doing it for 25, 30 years. But it was right at the point when the oil price was just about to go up, and it continued to go up for the last five years. Right. So I think the timing was particularly good. Uh, what led up to it was, was just a sequence of events that ju I was just in the right state of mind, really. And I had all the skills. I thought I had all the skills. I didn't quite have all of them. But I had most of the skills required um, to set up a successful business. And I get asked so many times, why did you do energy? You know, I've been doing tech for, gosh, 10 years more. And it's a very simple answer is I had a restriction. I was forced not to work, to compete with Huntress. Right. And Huntress worked in, you know, five different sectors. So I had to find something I couldn't, you know, breach a competition with. And that's why I came across energy. So. And they didn't leave you many. <laughs> there were about three, right? <laughs> Um, thank you, thank you for your candid answer there as well, David. Um, David, look in, in terms of that time in recruitment, um, what was the eureka moment for you? Uh, you know, when the the light bulb suddenly goes off and you go, ah, you know what? I get this. I know how to make money in recruitment. What was that moment for you? Yeah, I, I, I when I first started, and you know, I'm going back a few years now, I was sitting in an office in Trafalgar Square, a very small team, but very, very, very good doing technology recruitment. And I'd spent sort of the first month or two resourcing, as you did then, but you weren't really resourcing, you were kind of getting a cup of tea and the dry cleaning for the consultant that was making the most money. And um, I just remember finally understanding the end-to-end -end process of recruitment. And, and it, you know, it's a very... It's a simple process, yeah. but it's just done so badly often. Yeah. But if you follow the process, it does end in a logical conclusion, which is a, a placement. Uh, and I just got it, and I was like, wow, I, have to, I understand this. You know, you've got to go and get this, and you've got to find that, put the two together, and you know, get it through to its deal. And I think when I realized that I could actually do it, I thought, I'm, I'm better than all of the people in this room. I think I can really, really crack this market. And went on to, to huge success as a villa. Um, but there was definitely a moment when I sat there at that desk thinking, I got it, I got it, I know, I know how it works now. It's like a jigsaw and I put all the pieces together. So yeah, definitely had that moment. I've had a few along the way, but it's a real, uh, you know, specific to being a recruitment consultant, I think. Do you know, David, it's a really similar experience for me as well. And I do remember that moment. You know, it's, I think prior to that, there were little glimpses and it's like, oh, actually, we do affect people's lives. But it's that moment that you think, hang on a second, this is a process. And if you do A, you do B, invariably, you do end up with C. And once that was there for me, 
you know, the kind of the rest is history. It just all fell into place. I remember that specific moment. Yeah. It's a bit like, a, I, I, I sort of um, think it was a bit like a foreign language, you know, yes. you don't understand it at first, and then suddenly you can speak it, and it really, that, that's the, the sort of analogy I'd use, it is really like that, and that's why when we put people through our academies, we try to make them get it, you know, yeah. we try and get it quickly, but, you know, it does, it takes a bit of time, yeah. you know, so, as I say, you know, the processes aren't, aren't complicated, but they have to be done in order. <laughs> Absolutely right, Absolutely right, it's the syntax. Um, David, so look, tell us, what is it that you do consistently on a daily basis that you think makes you successful? Uh, the problem with answering that is my, my job's changed a lot. I mean, you know, we have crammed five years of growth, um, what normally would take a company 10 to 20 years. I mean, yeah. we've really pushed the envelope uh, because the market was there, the funding was there, and I kind of knew what I was doing. Um, so my job has changed a lot. When I first started the business, you know, we had 12 people sitting around a table and I, was, I wasn't transacting business, but I was doing a lot of business development and seeing clients. Then my job became more managing, then it became, you know, um, opening up global offices and then it's sort of running a fairly, a very complicated global business. We're a small global business, the worst thing you can be. You want to be a big global business with lots of uh, infrastructure. Sure. Uh, so my job now really uh, consists of looking really what the next growth strategy is for the company and really understanding about how we're going to deliver that message because you know we've gone through a, a, a once in a probably seven year cycle of oil crash this year and really it's taken us um, not particularly by surprise but it's certainly allowed us to look at our business and processes and understand where the next growth of the company is. We're very fortunate that we're not just oil and gas and not upstream um, and not just permanent because right. that is a very, very, very tough business this year. Right. But my job really is, is much more strategy now. The running of the business is done by the senior management team. And actually I, I got to the point where they said it's time for you to step back now because actually what you're doing, you know, you cast such a big shadow over this business that it's time for you to understand that you know, the business is evolving, you can't be everywhere, you can't fly around the world five times a year. You know, you have, to, you have to give and you impart executive power to people. That's kind of where I am right now. Um, but I have a very I have a passion about sorts of technology, so I like to keep my eye on really what happens in the industry. I think that's very important. Cool. Um, David, what do you see as your biggest strength and conversely your biggest weakness uh, as an entrepreneur? Uh, my strength is undoubtedly my uh, confidence and passion to drive a business very, very quickly and hard and big. Um, I think um, I, 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 I love doing it. I mean, I just have endless, boundless energy. There's a, there's a joke that goes around my friends, you know, it's just sort of funny that you got into energy because it sort of perfectly sums you up. So I think that's a real strength. My, my weaknesses uh, are really joined to that strength. My attention to detail isn't the greatest. I'm, I'm a big thinker, I'm not a little thinker, um, or a detailed person. And as a consequence, my attention to detail um, then means that my attention span is very short because I work so fast. You know, and, and I only realized it, I suppose, five years ago when I can't sit down and read a book anymore because I skate across things. And the joke in our business is do not write DSP along email because they'll only read the first paragraph. And it's true, you know, I'm. I'm, I'm I work a little bit too fast, and that's a strength when you're building a business quickly, but it's a huge weakness when you're looking at complicated issues. So, yeah, they, they come hand in hand. Well, you know, genius often does do that, but it's the, it's the strength of the team behind 
that genius exactly. that's the real testament to uh you know you to have to have strong operations finance legal you know otherwise you know i, I leave a trail in my way you know? <laughs> i'm off around the world and <laughs> tidy up behind me <laughs> david look you've been around our industry uh you know a, a long time you're, you're definitely one of the veterans out there the most successful veterans out there um i want you to look into your um crystal ball and predict if you can how you see the recruitment industry shaping up developing over the next five years uh yeah again i listen i did listen to russell and i and, I, and he was sort of looking historically at you know monster came along and said they're going to eat our lunch and i think if we look to the future you know what we've seen is technology has, has, has virtually decimated some industries. You know the minicab industry by Uber. You've got the high street by Amazon. Yeah. Technology is incredibly powerful. So the question you have to ask yourself in our business is: Can technology do what a recruitment consultant does? And I think the answer currently is no. Actually, it can certainly do what a lazy recruitment consultant does. <laughs> if a recruitment consultant thinks that they can sit there and Put out a job ad, get a CV, email. Email recruitment is my biggest bugbear. I have to tell you, because emails are fantastic. <laughs> emails are fantastic. You know, you send lots of information. It's very accurate. You have a timeline on that. But actually, there's no angle. You can't have any humour on email. There's no irony. There's no sell. So, I think the processes in recruitment, as I've said, there's about seven of them, and if they're done very well, it's it's a good it's a good process. And as Russell said, you know, we're, we're, we we bespoke service for nothing I mean, yeah. sure, in contingency recruitment we do a bespoke service can it be replicated by technology no I don't think it can um, but it can be replicated by internal recruiters yeah because you know I'm from the days where the power of any recruitment company was the database and that yeah. was the candidates you had exclusive that nobody else had particularly the clients and the clients that you knew that nobody else had but that's uh, you know LinkedIn as Really, it's a completely level playing field now. Everybody can look at everybody else's data. We've all got uh, the same tools. In this era. So therefore, your competition is not necessarily technology. Technology can enhance you because you still need two people talking to each other with a third party who is an agent. If they're a good agent, if they're a good recruitment consultant, there's sophisticated things that they need to talk through, like negotiation. And you know, when you put two, two human beings together, it's very, very difficult to write an algorithm for that. Yeah. Um, but if everybody has the same tools, then your competition really isn't technology. You should respect technology. It's very powerful. But it's actually the, the, the threat to our industry is much more to the internal recruitment cycle than it is to, to technology. Could it be done in the future? Sure, artificial intelligence can replace any human, but sure. I think they'll, they'll be getting through estate agents first before they get to recruitment consultants. <laughs> <laughs> David, I love that answer. And listen, on a serious note, I, I totally agree with you as well. I think the professional modern recruiter, in fact, even if I talk about the professional recruiter going back, was always and should always be a broker, an agent between two parties. And uh, it's interesting because I've not heard that expression before that you can't get an algorithm to replace that. You know, I, I dread the day that somebody thinks they can. I really do believe in the, the skill of a professional recruiter being able to negotiate and bring a deal together 
will never be replaced, even by AI. With, with caveat, the, the ones that just uh, use the email, LinkedIn, and job boards will be. Yeah, and, and they deserve to be. You know, quite frankly, you know, you, you quoted you quoted uh, Darwin. Uh, you know. I, I, I love the look of dinosaurs, but they disappeared for a reason. So, um, you know, long live the professional recruiters, I say. Yeah, I agree. It's a skill. Yeah. David, look, I'm really keen to move you into uh, our lightning round now. Are you ready for the lightning round, David? Go. Brilliant. <laughs> Bring it on. David, first question, what was the number one thing that you see holding recruiters back from becoming successful? Uh, email recruitment, you know, I, I, I don't think you can put a much finer point on it. You know, you, you will die if you sit there writing emails all day um, because it's just, you're not, you're not adding any service or value and why would someone pay you a fee if you're just shifting CVs and, and communicating via email? It's, uh, that's Fairly simple, it's not complicated. Spot on. Um, David, what's the best piece of business or recruitment advice you've ever received? I get asked this a lot. We, we, uh, we hire wow, hundreds of graduates a year and I go in to see each of these graduates, uh, uh, sorts of academies, and it's the one question everybody asks me. Unfortunately, there's no silver bullet in recruitment. You know, it's a set of processes, it's hard work, it's, it's relentless, and if you don't do it every day, you skip a beat, you kind of, you, know, you mess up your cycle down the road. Two pieces of advice, really. First is focus. You know, it's the person who can keep their concentration and focus for the longest period of time is, is the most successful recruiter. So if you're distracted in a, in a sales world with banter and you know anything but pick, do an actual productive call, um, that's probably where you're going to fall down. And kidding yourself that you're doing hard work when you're actually diverting yourself to, to easier things. And I think really um, the other piece of advice um, I would give anybody it's really around that kind of, you know, that, that, that deep focus of following these processes through to their fruition because it really isn't that difficult, um, but you can't deviate from it. And if you start a cycle, you have to finish it. But the trick is actually to keep starting that cycle because I see so many recruiters pick up a requirement one week, resource it the next week. Yeah. Sort out the interviews week three, do the deal week four. Yeah. And they get surprised when they have to start a cycle all over again. Yeah. But if you think about it, if you're continually doing all of the processes at the same time, yeah. you have constant pipeline. And it took me a little bit of time to work it out. But again, it's not difficult, but so many people do the cycle in a cycle yeah. and don't think about the fact that if you're not holding live quality, qualified requirements, all the time. Yeah. You're going to get to the end of your pipeline. You may do lots of deals and earn lots of money and start smoking cigars, but you haven't got any, you're not going to have anything the next month or quarter. That's the advice I, I, I would give. All about the pipeline, David. All about the pipeline. <laughs> totally I'm agree. Um, <laughs> David, what, what's something that you see working brilliantly in your business right now? It could be a piece of software or an app or some kind of hack, something that works well for you in your recruitment business? Um, Dan McGuire's gonna love me for this. Uh, Cube 19 we used, um, and I think it was, uh, it is a game changer. Uh, I think it's a terrific piece of software. I, I, I have it on my phone, um, and uh, I look at it every morning, 
um, we get the entire KPIs of the business sent through an app. Uh, and we have it in, in all of our offices, in every office they have a screen with Q19 rolling. And every manager uses it as their desktop tool. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a great piece of kit. Someone, uh, I wish I'd have thought of it. Uh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I think there's so I many. That. There's, there's so many people that know Dan that saying around the world right now. I wish I'd thought of it. Um, I, I remember saying to Dan when he first talked about the concept, if only this had been available to me 10, 15 years ago you know, running recruitment businesses. It was the thing that we were crying out for back in the day, so. Well, we did it, we did it manually, which was exactly. time-consuming. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, this is where technology is good. You know, you use technology to improve your business processes. Yeah. You have to be a little bit careful that it is a very uh, one-dimensional tool. It's, it's KPIs, you have to yeah. interpret KPIs. But as a statistical piece of, of, of software, I think it's brilliant and it's so, so right for our business. And I guess the only other thing I, I would say is that like every single day I send the deal board out to the entire company, uh, every morning, wherever I am in the world, because I think it's really good to connect with the person at the top, and the person at the top is connected with every single team, every single individual around the world. And really it's a bit of a culture of ours that, that this deal board is, is it creates a competitive environment across the, across the different uh, offices and teams. And you know, that's, that's kind of a thing that I do on a daily basis. So. I love it. No, I love it. No, I love it. <laughs> David, um, what's the best business book that you've read in the last six months? I don't, I don't read business books, and okay. I think I, I've, I've travelled the world so much and spent so many time in bookshops in uh, airports, and they're so full of business books, I've kind of shied away from them. Okay. Um, I, a book I'm rereading, a book, a set of books, there's five of them, um, is Churchill's uh, Second World War Diaries. I read it ten years ago, and I've got to say, it was—it's very dense. It's not—it's not a weekend read, but it's a terrific book because what it does, and what it did do for me, and what it is doing for me now, is understand that when you run a business, it's—you know—it's pretty taxing, it's pretty—it's pretty complex. But it's nothing compared to running what was an incredibly big, complicated, and awful war. But the logistics around that were just mind blowing. And I think it's a really, really good book for anybody to read, not only to understand history and empathise with people who went through that, um, but to understand um, a bit about human nature and about uh, about things that go on in the world. I think it's a great, it's a great book. And there's just a lot of stuff in there for people who run businesses as well. But it's not an easy read. But... It's interesting you mentioned that one because a, a friend of mine is a great fan of Churchill and... Um, often will quote uh, Churchill's speeches or whatever, not not always at the most appropriate times. It could be <laughs> after, after a, an evening out or whatever, but um, absolutely amazing stuff, absolutely amazing stuff. And I mean, remember, though, this was a man of his time. You know, since the war finished, he was kicked out as prime minister. You know, so there is a, a wonderful example of someone who was the perfect person at that time take a country through a war and that is you know it's an amazing book it really is so yeah i'm a big fan of churchill uh, as a man of that of, of his time you know it's like uh, thatcher's another great hero of mine again i think without her this country wouldn't be what it is and she divides opinion more than anybody but uh, she was an amazing lady i'm um, i'm definitely going to pick up the churchill book and the next time i see you i'll tell you about my experience with Baroness Thatcher it's uh, a really interesting one yeah I'll share that for the next time we meet up 
Um, David, sadly, we are coming towards the end of our time together. I am quite sad about it. Um, But look, before we let you go, a couple of final things. One piece of final advice you'd have for people watching or listening to the show. And then also, how can people get in touch with you after listening or watching this episode? Sure. One uh, final piece of advice really would be, um, I do think our industry is amazing. The amount of people that we hire, um, well, I've never hired anyone that actually wanted to work in recruitment. A lot of people fall into it. When you're in it, I really think it's such a great industry to be in. You can be successful, much more successful than your peers, and I think it is genuinely life-changing. Don't underestimate how hard it is. It's really, really, really hard work. It's consistent effort, um, and it's relentless sometimes. But I love it. I think it's a great industry to be in. So I would, I would just say to anybody, you know, get into it, but take it seriously and do it properly. Um, and really, to contact me, yeah, I mean, you know, website is probably the best way, um, or you know, just pop into our offices or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm always around in London, so yeah. I love your open door policy. That'd be great. Might <laughs> just be inundated now. Crazy. <laughs> David, look, on behalf of everybody at Recruiters Live Lounge, thank you so, so much for joining us today and sharing your journey. It's a pleasure. All right. Uh, Thanks. Oh, listen, no worries at all. And to everyone that's watching or listening to the podcast of this episode, if you want to continue getting this type of content, you know, meeting and finding out about some of the most inspirational business leaders on our planet, then please subscribe, you know, just subscribe. And you can get these episodes delivered straight to your phone, your mobile device, whatever. Um, But also give us some feedback. Tell us the things that you like. Tell us the things that we can improve. Suggest people maybe that you'd like us to interview. Until I see you again, take care. And uh, looking forward to seeing you in the Recruiters Live Lounge very soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Recruiters Live Lounge with Roy Ripper. Join us next time for more insights and incredible success journeys to help you be a better recruitment business leader. Deleso was formed to enable recruitment owners and managers to focus their skills and efforts in areas that would get the most rewards, such as sales. Deleso supports clients by providing a tailor-made service from outsourced back office functions right the way through to director-level advice and consultancy. Go to deleso.co.uk forward slash reclive lounge to find out more and start talking to them today.